Welcome back to the Value Adds Value podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger, and I am here with my co-host and co-founder, Wilkie V. Law III. We want to thank you for taking time to listen and share your stories with us. We appreciate you, whether you're listening on SoundCloud, on YouTube, on iHeartRadio, or on iTunes. We are a podcast for educators created from a six-year conversation between us, two educators from different backgrounds and journeys that discovered that the true value in education is in the connections that teachers make with their students and the relationships that develop from that connection. The purpose of our podcast is to provide educators a platform to share their voices with others, make those connections, and to return value to the classroom experience and the teaching craft. Above all, we believe that when you add value to yourself, you add value to others. So welcome to Value Adds Value. Welcome back to the Value Adds Value podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger. Got Wilkie Law. And I got to say, this is a fun This is a fun time to get started, Will, because we're both in our classrooms. This is the first time we've ever uh, Zoomed uh, and recorded a podcast from both of our classrooms. Absolutely. The first time, man. Breaking ground, breaking ground. Yeah, yeah. So it is the... 21st of August is when this is being recorded, so it's a little bit ahead of when it's going out. Um, Will, we wanted to, uh, after last week's episode, talking about creating culture, talk about um, then how classroom management fits into that culture. And, you know, it's an interesting spot for us to be because you're now going into your second day with kids. But me, I'm still, you know, two weeks away from having kids. So um, getting started, with the classroom management piece, let's just talk about how your first day went, man. Oh man, it was it was amazing. You know, I I love you know it's like it's like a baker walking into a bakery for the first time, or carpenter walking into a woodshed. Uh, it just man, it was so delightful. Even though you know the first day always has its bumps and bruises, um, you know, but overall, man, it was really good. Um, I think they did a bang up job of mixing our kids coming from the three different feeder schools. Uh, so um, I jumped on culture immediately by identifying the kids who are from the same schools. Um, and then also by reminding them about what we have in common. Um, because I think a lot of times in classrooms, before you, we can get kids to kind of understand that their own individuality, they have to understand what is the common link. You can be who you want to be, but there's a common link that links everyone in this classroom. And uh, I took a took a play yesterday from uh, from our good friend Dr. Liz Garcia, Bobcat uh, alumni. Uh, when she when she did her PD at AIE last year, uh, I think it was last year when she said uh, she started out by saying, "Who am I? I'm a human being." And I, and, I, and I went through that with the kids, and I said, you know, the one thing that we all have in common is the fact that we're human. I said, what does that mean? I said, it means that we breathe, and if we cut, we bleed. And so I said that if we, if we understand that, that gives us a common ground that we get to respect everyone for who they are. We get to respect everyone on that basic, basic level. You know, we're human. See, so that means that you're clear to make mistakes because you're human. Humans make mistakes. And so it was really refreshing to kind of see the kids kind of grasp that idea uh, to kind of establish the cultural norms. Because I think before we branch out and do all that, we have to establish what is the common link. 
What is the one thing that we have in common? And I think that that, you know, is what it is. Yeah, man. I really like that, too, especially because I'm, uh, you know, at my new school here in the Twin Cities. I think it's going to be a more diverse population in terms of the number of different groups than I've ever been a part of. You know, when I taught in Houston, it was overwhelmingly Hispanic with a small little bit of, of African-American in there. Um, and granted, your school in the same district now is has more African-American students, but your school is still primarily Hispanic, right? No, we're about a, we're about a, I'm gonna say about a 45, 45 with 10 percent of, of of everything else. Right. Mixed in. Right. So it's a, it's, a, it's very very diverse. Let's say that right. it's it, it you know it is very diverse. Not as diverse as what you're going to be going into, uh, but diverse as it relates to. Well, I'm gonna say I can say balanced. Balanced. Say yeah. And yeah. I, I think that's where I'm at too. But um, in terms of classroom management. I think maybe the first direction we would like to go and what we talked about is, you know, the definition of classroom management. Because I think people have different definitions, and I'm not saying one is right or wrong, but to you, is classroom management the rules you have? Is it the procedures? Is it the norms? Um, in your classroom, what do you consider classroom management to encompass? For me, classroom management is like a system. It is what it's an idea. It's not a, a set of tools for a classroom. It's an idea. How do you manage the classroom? That's the idea. Now, the approach that you take in your management determines your culture. So I think that when you define management as Simply, what makes the, 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 the learning environment prosper? What makes it equitable for all students to succeed? That, that, to me, is not a management tool. That's a culture tool. So the idea of management says that I, one person, have to learn how to facilitate 30-plus tiny humans in a classroom setting from diverse backgrounds. That management piece is the idea of what I'm doing. But the act of actually doing it in the classroom, like I wouldn't have a wall that says classroom management tools. You know, to me, it's more the idea of what is the culture. It's more of a classroom culture. Because no one, I mean, we, I, I love listening to Simon Sinek and he talks about nobody wants to be managed. Do you want to be managed? I don't want to be managed because if you're doing your job, you don't have to be managed. You're doing your job, there's no management needed. But what's needed is in a culture of expectations to say, these are our norms. These are our norms. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in wanting to manage things, especially as educators, because we still say that this is our classroom. You know, this is, this is Mr. Law's room. This is Coach Stewart's room. This is Mr. Krieger's room. No, this is our kids' room. When the kids come in here, it becomes our room. And in order for us to be able to do it, only people can come together, humans, and engage in each other, you have to understand that you have to have a shared culture. And those cultures is not a management tool. Those cultures are a set of expectations, just as if you were moving into a neighborhood. You know, you move. some people move into a neighborhood for the amenities. Uh, there are neighborhoods that have block parties and different things like that and cookouts, and people are attracted to that because they want that type of culture. Some neighborhoods you go in, it's very sterile. You know, 
the neighbors don't really know each other, but everybody tends to their own business to make sure the yard's cut, make sure there's no trash in front of them, don't throw in a lot of parties, and they're good that way. So it's the culture. I don't think it's a management. It's just a culture. And I think that reflects who the teacher is. I think we get mixed up when we try to manage too much in a classroom instead of creating a culture and letting that culture manage itself. You just saying that reminds me of uh, the, the piece of classroom management advice I got and the piece of advice I know you got that we think is maybe the most absurd thing ever said to a teacher um, or by a teacher that you should, you know, not smile until December. And I'm wondering where you think that came from. Well, I think because, again, when one person tries to manage 30 humans in a small, closed-in setting, it becomes my way or the highway. Instead of establishing norms of what's culturally accepted in this, in this place that we're occupying, I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. I don't want to tell you what you do. I don't want you to be a clone of me. Because if we don't get it, I, I can't remember what book it is. I'm going to have to find it and we can put it in a note. But I was reading a book that says, um, uh, I see the author's a green book. Uh, I'll, I'll come back to it. But he talks about how creativity can't take place where there's stress. So sometimes we look at a classroom and say, because it's compliant that students are engaged in their learning. When actually students could just be withdrawn from the learning, but they're just knowing that when I come in here, I have to do this. So I'm going to do this because you told me to. And that's what you tell me I have to do versus creating a culture that invites kids to come in and be themselves. But understand within the cultural norms, you have the freedom to be yourself. But let's not cross the boundaries. Not because I'm telling you not to, because you wouldn't want anyone to do that to you. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't want anyone to do it to you, so so let's talk about that because that is what that's what connects and transfers. It's not just do this because you're in Mr. Law's class or you're in Mr. Krieger's class. No, do this because this is the right thing to do. Period. And so I think, like I said again, I think that whole notion of don't smile until December was be stern with the kids when they first come in, show them that you mean business, and then lacks up at the end. Well, most of the time when you lax up at the end, by the time you lax up and you start to release, you don't ever get to see that blossom in that kid because they've held back so long because they've been wondering, where's that teacher been since August? You know what I mean? Where's that teacher been? Pace yourself to understand it. I want my kids, and I told them, I want you to understand everything about me, every little nuance about me because somebody in this classroom can benefit from something I've been through, something I'm going through, or something that I want to go through in the future. We are all connected, and that interconnection does not allow us to manage people. It allows us to create a culture where people can learn to self-manage themselves. You know, if you want a perfect classroom, teach kids some, some principles to live by and hold them accountable to the principles. That's not management. Right, and, and I, I think it's been a, a different experience for me um, this time, you know, this is my third day back. I'm just in the in the new teacher training phase um, with this campus, and I've been in a position where, you know, normally by now I would be writing out all my expectations, and and I'd have this grand plan. But 
I've really been better about just taking things step by step and, and being intentional about the things I build. You know, for me, classroom management um, is is about lesson planning and an organization because I I know I can build relationships, but for me, like a big part of my management is is really being thoughtful and diligent on on my lesson plans and and my organization because. I think a lot of times my personality and my lesson plans don't match. Like I, I, I try to do what people told me I should do in terms of lesson planning rather than, you know, doing something that was more authentic to me. And I think that's a difficult thing with classroom. When they say classroom management is, you know, for me when I was starting and I'm sure there's a lot of newer teachers that go through this, they assume that it's a system that works no matter who you are. And I think classroom management, just like classroom culture, has to be authentic and genuine and true to who you are as a person. So for me, you know, I'm super excited about doing this daily podcast of my lesson. Um, I have a, I just ordered a lapel microphone that clicks into my, I can click it into my iPhone. And I'm going to record, um, not the entire lesson, but just the introduction lesson, anything that I would be speaking out to the kids and I'm going to upload it to a podcast. So that way kids who are absent can go back and they can listen back to it. They can know what the assignments are and kids who are struggling can go back and listen to it as well. But, but for me, it's also an opportunity for me to, you know, to be able to continuously reflect on, on my practice. So, but that's something even a year or two ago or five years ago, I would have never, thought was something I could have done. So um, I'm wondering where you think authenticity and, and getting to know yourself fits into creating a classroom management style that works for each teacher. I think it's paramount. I think before you do anything, we have to understand that we have to know ourselves. You know, I love words and I love the fact that education means to draw out. So education is reaching into a child and drawing out of them what's inside of them. Not dumping stuff inside of them, but drawing stuff out of them. And in the process, your influence on that child changes it, changes the child and changes their perception of what how, how learning takes place. And I think when we do that, in order to do that, we have to know who we are. You know, we can't sit and say, I'm just going to teach you reading. I'm just going to teach you math. Because we don't have robot students who can just learn across the board just like that. There are going to be times where I'm going to have to get down and, and, and pull out some manipulatives for some kids or, you know, take some kids to a place that they, because they already mastered at this point, take them to a different place. So in order for that to happen, as you said, lesson planning is paramount. That is, knowing, knowing you have a plan going in, you know, but then once you start talking about teaching and going through that lesson, being a reflective practitioner forces you to look at yourself all the time. It's always you putting yourself under the microscope. So you learn yourself. Just like when working out. When you work out, you do one thing I love about when you know things you told me like you know doing the, the crossfit where you're competing against yourself, you're putting up numbers and saying, Can I beat myself? Can I beat myself? This is what I put up last time, but I'm constantly trying to compete against myself. And in that process, I started learning things that you know, hey, my legs are a lot weaker than I thought they were. I should be better than that right now. You know, 
my, my, I don't have the, I don't have upper shoulder strength when I'm doing my clean. So I need to figure out what do I need to do and adjust. So as you constantly put yourself under the microscope and set goals and and either hit or miss them, you learn how to recalibrate. And so in that process, you learn a whole lot about yourself. And a lot of that is what brings the classroom alive. Is when a teacher knows who they are and that's who they present to the kids. Not the content, the person. The person. And then whatever content you're putting out at them, they're going to absorb it. Because the person. I apologize that we have to take this short break from this episode of the Value Adds Value podcast, but we have news that's so important we just couldn't wait to tell you. Because we believe in it, and because they believe in us, we were able to partner with Nearpod to provide you a free opportunity and discounts on your chance to use the Nearpod platform. Now, what is Nearpod? Glad you asked. Nearpod is an online teaching platform that we can house our lessons, we can create presentations, and they have the most incredible bank of pre-created lessons and curriculum that is there for you to sample depending upon what level you choose. So if you go to the link that's in our show notes, I'm going to give it to you right now, it's go.nearpod.com backslash value adds value. That's go.nearpod.com backslash value adds value you have the opportunity to sign up for free plus get huge discounts on their gold and their platinum memberships and for a few lucky listeners soon we're going to be giving away gold memberships and one platinum so keep listening and we'll let you know when that's going to happen but before that is get on go to go.nearpod.com backslash value adds value to check it out you know, one of the things Mr. Pro is saying here is that we have to be a, a large figure in our classroom. We have to have a presence, is what he said. We have to be the biggest presence in your room. That's hard for some people when you're counting 32 kids and you're just one person. You know what I mean? But when you create a culture, now it's not I'm just one person. Because I guarantee you, by me presenting myself, I'm going to get allies. By me being authentic, I'm going to get people who are going to buy into it. So then the people who don't buy into it, they're going counter against the culture. And so now it's not me against them. It's the culture against you doing something that you know is not supposed to be. And so uh, for me, like I say, being who you are, and uh, you know, even this year, we had a video we put out for the students to watch. You know, They watched the video of how to do things in the building. And they said, you know, pause the video between each scene and give your take on it. Because I know metal detectors differently than my coach, Coach Stewart, because he works metal detectors all day, every day. So when we got to that portion, he could add something in that, guess what, no other teacher could add in because he works the metal detectors. You know what I mean? So it was he was able to put himself into that because this is what I do. And when you give people that freedom, and it's not a script that I'm reading, and everybody that, okay, questions, click. Okay, questions, okay, click. But it's like, hey, no, look, guys, when we go to Winston Capital last year, I wanted to be able to do this with the kids. I wanted to be able to do this. But you kept going outside, and they kept going on this because they couldn't get it together. Show that you, when you put that in, that authenticity, that passion of who you are. I had the kids do an exercise yesterday. Write your name down on the index card. On the other side, give me one word to describe you. 
Just one word. And I told the kids that we're going to go back and we're going to periodically review those words that they gave me at the beginning of the year. Did your word change? What caused that change? You started out nice. Now your word is angry. What happened between then and there to make you angry? And let's deal with that. You know, I love John Gordon. John Gordon always says, you can't deal with, we always want to deal with the fruit without dealing with the roots. And the roots is, is what holds it together, which is the culture. You know, it all goes back to that. And if you're not authentic to who you are, then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter if the kids listen to hip-hop music. But when they see me, I'm influenced by hip-hop. So I'm going to show you, not that I'm going to force it on you, but I'm going to show you the appreciation because through my love of it, I'm going to introduce it to you. And I think that's what makes the difference when, when you're talking about building a classroom culture and, and, and going away from that old school, don't smile to be simple, manage your kids, do this, do that. That ain't it. That ain't it at all. Yeah, and, and the thing I loved about what you said is, um, and it was somewhere in there, and I'm going to paraphrase what you say, but it reminds me of that, that question we ask about what, what are you kids, you know, you, when you're thinking about your classroom management, you should be asking yourself the question, what do I want my kids to say about me when I'm not around? Because I can say that I've been on the wrong end of that question. Because the kids are going to talk about you. They want to know who you are. They want to be um, a part of your life, and they want you to be a part of theirs. So, you know, for me, I, I think, too, not just about classroom management in terms of when I'm in my four walls, but where I am all the time. And, and I think the thing that comes down to is, and I know this was something I had faced early in my career, is I thought, it only mattered when it was in my, when I was in my room, like I was only really in charge of my room and that, but you have classroom management and procedure and culture opportunities every day to, in, every day to interact with kids and to do things that allow um, you to continue to build that relationship. Because culture and management, um, you know, and you mentioned Simon Sinek and, and he said people don't want to be managed. The, the other part he usually says is they want to be led. And, you know, the thing about being led is, is you have to be out front. Um, but in terms of, of classroom management, you know, not, not so much the, the idea behind it, but, but what are some tips and tricks that you use in terms of, you know, beyond setting expectations to, uh, you know, just any tips and tricks you might have. And I'm going to leave it open like that, you know, where, whether it's seating or procedures or stuff like that. You know, things that you've learned and used over the course of your career that have really made a difference in, you know, the day-to-day -day operations of your classroom. I think day one for me is always, I'm going to give you freedom. Sit where you want to sit. It's an observation. It's an observation. You know, I look at it almost as if it's a... Um, Science experiment. So I let the kids sit where they want all the time, first day of school. Uh, and I observe. But in the process, I let them know from what the expectations so that when they see that I start making changes, the changes are not a reaction to it. The changes are simply a response. You know what I mean? It's a consequence. And, that, you know, consequence is not a bad thing. You know, I talked yesterday that you have good and bad consequences. And... When you think about it in terms of um, 
of, of being in the classroom, the kids need to understand that the consequence of the positive consequences is that you get through the lesson, you get through everything, you establish a learning that you didn't have before, and you're better when you leave. And, uh, you know, my thing is always I tell kids, either you're going to get a math lesson from me or you're going to get a life lesson. There is no option. Learning will go on. And I think a lot of teachers get so pushed on making sure they I got to cover the content so I can't take time to do this. But if you don't take time to do this, it's like saying I can't, I don't have time to stop at the gas station to fill up my car. Well, if you don't have time, then you're going to end up having to make time because you're going to break down on the side of the road. So either you take the time, make the time, or you're going to take the time. It's going to be taken from you later. Um, and so um, I, I just think that, you know, allowing the kids the freedom to see where they are, but setting an expectation. So that even if they learn within a group, I don't need to sit over here by these people because they're going to make me do this. So I'm going to move myself. And then as a year go on, then we start talking about grouping. Then I say, okay, we're going to switch it up. I'm going to move you into different groups. I always do random groups. And I let the kids know up front. Sometimes you'll come in here and you already have a place to sit. Don't trip on it. So again, giving them that sense of uh, it's going to, you know, things are going to change. Um, and another thing I, I always try to stress is in the very, very beginning is to make sure that it's strictly, you know, I'm going to go there, strictly relational. Strictly relational. Get to know the kids. I already know the athletes in my room. I already know the kids who play music. Stay one. I don't even know their names, but I can look at them and say, hey, you told me you played the violin. That goes a long way. Long, long way. Remembering a little girl who said she's shy and that she's walking to the bus. Yesterday, she's walking with her head down. And I walked up on her and I said, hey, put your head up. Remember, we're going to work on being shy this year. And she put her head up, smiled and said, wave at me and said bye. It's those things, like you said, going outside of your four walls. That I think that if teachers really embrace that, and early again, this was just this, this is day two for me. I haven't even seen kids yet. You know, I see them in about twenty minutes. Uh, but already being able to build those relationships with those kids and understanding who they are and what they're what they're about, I think when you do that and consistently do it, it's not a facade. I'm not doing this because somebody's telling me to do it. I'm doing this because I'm an educator and I know that this is what is needed for kids to be successful. And I think that changes things just slightly. Um, other than that, I think having the kids talk to each other, we did that last yesterday, um, and then kind of monitoring the conversations and establishing what group norms are early when they're having conversations in small groups. Um, I definitely, 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 definitely think it's important for each kid to have a voice. So have each kid an opportunity to share out, regardless if you're shy or not, uh, you still have a voice. Um, and I think it's, um, you know, I think it's important to, to explain the parameters. I, I, I never teach a what without teaching a why. So yesterday when we were talking about the what's in a lot of things, um, I kind of uh, made sure that I focus on this is why we do that. What is, you can't wear your hoodies in the hallway. Why? Because we want to know that every student, that every person that's walking around this campus is a young student. And if we can't see your face, I say, I can throw my hoodie on and walk on any high school campus 
They're not going to know who I am. They won't know if I'm there unless they ask me to take my hoodie off. I say, so in the matters of keeping you safe, it's important for me and all the teachers and administrators here at the school to be able to see your face every day. So I taught them a what, then I told them why it is. So that way you can understand when someone asks you to do it, they're not saying it because they hate on you. They're not saying it because they, they, they mad at you or they want to get at you or they don't like you. They're saying it because that's we care about you uh, and we want you to be good. Uh, and I think... Um, I think I, I believe this, and I think teachers, if you're going to establish rules for your classroom, let the kids create the rules. Uh, I'm setting principles. Today I go through my RIP with my kids uh, to establish the classroom principles. Uh, and from those principles, you're going to give me some rules. And each, each class is going to have a different set of rules. Uh, and that's okay. Uh, and I think it's important that we, we kind of establish that early. That's Yesterday was all about the campus. Today is all about the classroom. Um, and so the focus is really going to be on let's connect as a classroom again. And I think because I'm competitive, and you know we're both, we're both really competitive people, uh, that competition, I, I like to say to kids things like, I woke up this morning wanting to be the greatest teacher ever. And if you walk into my classroom, our destinies are linked. So if I woke up to be great, then what does that say about your destiny? And the kids are like, huh? And then one kid was like, does that mean we're going to be great too? And I said, absolutely. And every class, the first reaction was, huh? And then there was one or two brave souls that said, but does that mean that we're going to be great too? Because they made the connection that you walking in here with a teacher who says I'm the greatest means that if I'm in here, I'm going to be the greatest. And the first step that we can do to help students is make them believe. If we get students to believe, believability, we said that when we talked about the ABCs of inspired teaching, it is that believability. Once you're authentic, and make sure they believe what you say. And once that believability happens, the connectivity happens. The connectivity happens, your culture will flourish. It'll be rainy season in the Serengeti, I promise you. It will flourish because now you're letting each individual student be themselves. The Serengeti would be boring if it was all lions. You know, and lions don't go and eat everything they see. They keep a balance. They'll let a zebra make it. Like, man, I just ate last night. I'm good. I ain't going to hunt you down. But next week, you know, I'm going to get you. And they just sitting there chilling. Because they understand the balance of the culture. That's in the wild. As a classroom teacher, we have an opportunity to create a culture where every kid can come in and realize I'm going to flourish in a community, in an environment that's going to force me and allow, well, not really force me, allow me to be me. Mm -hmm. Allow me to be. And I think that if I could give any teacher a tip at, at starting out, allow students to be who they are. Be who they are and then direct them. Lead them to the places that they that, that you like to draw. Kids are like, I like to draw. Art is my thing. Okay, you know, we have a, we have a couple of art clubs. I love anime. We have an anime club on campus. 
connecting them with outlets that they can actually explore what they love to do. So when they sit in your classroom, I won't get so zoned out because you've already given me an outlet. So I'm going to pay attention to you because I know you just told me about something that I love to do. And then I keep mentioning, hey, can you draw a poster for me? Hey, can you do this for me? Hey, do I have any artists that want to do this? Absolutely. And then that when they get involved and start participating, man, the sky is the limit. I love it. All right, man. Well, I know you got to get started with your day. You, your bells are about to hit it and ring. But uh, we want to thank you for checking out the Value Adds Value podcast. This is episode two of season two, man. It feels great to be back after a, we took about a month off and we just were kind of getting ourselves together and getting everything going. And You're man. getting engaged. I, 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 did, I did get engaged. I did get engaged. Don't sleep on it. 2020. Yeah, November of 2020. So we're looking good. So um, if you're not following us, please follow its.will.law.iii on Instagram. And we are together on Instagram at value at value. And um, if you are our uh, Texas teachers, especially a few days, we want you to check out uh, October 3rd and 4th. We'll be in San Antonio for AIE. And then we will be overlapping on the 5th, the 4th and 5th to teach your heart out so we'll be in san antonio for about five about four days um at the beginning of november and we're really excited to uh kind of really in our home our hometown uh to be uh a part of tcca which is a technology conference hosted by aldean isd october 25th tcca is what uh, what the colonel used to call free 99 so uh yeah, and on that note, we the the colonel I talked to him the other night, and he wants to come back on the podcast. Wonders why we never talked to him, so we're gonna have to get him on here. Gotta do that. So, all right, brother, well, you have a great day, and all you out there uh, in the teaching world, we hope you have a great day. Also, this is the Value Adds Value podcast, and we're out. <laughs>